Before we start today's episode, I wanted to let you know about the Next Level Club. In case you missed it, we recently launched a group coaching program for creative service providers. If you're a creative service professional with an established business who's ready to level up, stop trading time for money, and finally get out of technician mode and attract your dream clients on tap, then this could be the place for you. We're working with a select number of people to earn more each month and to finally experience freedom in their business. So if that sounds like your kind of party, then what I would love for you to do is send me a direct message on Instagram. Just search lalasocialclub.co and you'll find me. Send me a DM with the words next level and I'll send you all of the details. Can't wait to chat. All right, let's dive in to today's episode. Welcome to My Business Playbook, where we pull back the curtain on the steps and missteps of successful people. You'll hear a raw and unfiltered play-by-play of what's worked and what hasn't, giving you helpful advice and insights so you can build your dream business. I'm your host, Laura Higgins, and this is My Business Playbook. Well, hello, hello, and welcome back to My Business Playbook. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you're having a wonderful time, that you are putting out those Beyonce slash Lizzo vibes, and you are just getting things done. I hope that that's where you are, and I hope that that's what you're doing. I am so excited because today I actually got to interview someone face-to-face, Now, as an extrovert in a mostly online business, this is a glorious day for me. To be fair, I freaked out a little because my house was a little bit messy and my dog uh, was running around like crazy. And so when Shane arrived and I was like, do you like dogs? Because I've got my dog hiding. And he's like, no, I love dogs. So he and Vinny met, they became best friends. And I realized I was not, you know, part of it, but that's okay. Um, (laughs) But I was So glad to have met Shane and I'm so glad to introduce you to him today. Now, Shane Hatton is a coach, leadership and communication expert. He's an author and a creative at heart and he has just released a book called Let's Talk Culture. He uses his psychology and business background to help organizations develop remarkable people leaders. He works with some of Australia's most loved organizations, building healthy team culture and helping good leaders become great ones. You are going to love this conversation. If you have a team of one, (laughs) even if it's just you, if you have a, like, even if you just work with freelancers, you're going to love this conversation. I can't wait to dive in to my conversation with the wonderful Shane Hatton. Welcome, Shane, to the show. It's so good to have you here. And actually, right now, you are sitting in my office. It's amazing. You met my dog. I did. We're actually really good friends now. <laughs> You're really and good I friends. feel like we've developed an emotional connection that is going to last quite a while. I would agree. I will say he has that emotional connection with most people. That hurts. Uh, but but I think it it seems like it was quite unique. Well, I, I felt it was very genuine <laughs> up until this conversation. So, until we'll, now. I'll just kind of leave without saying goodbye, probably. Oh, no, he would actually be devastated about that. I am so excited to have you here today and so excited to chat with you about culture. 
Now, you've just released your new book called Let's Talk Culture, and I'm looking at it right now, and the cover is incredible. Uh, I know that it's designed by our friend Jay from Avenir Creative, who's also been on the show before. It's an incredible, like, it's incredible. Everything you've put together is so, so wonderful. And I'm really excited to have you here to talk about culture and how we can actually be deliberate with creating culture, even if we're running a small business, even Mm. if we have maybe no employees yet, and kind of digging into how we should be doing this, how we should be approaching this. So really excited to chat with you today. So firstly, talk to me, can actually, can you share a bit about the process of writing a book? Because I know many of our listeners would be curious about how this process kind of works. Yeah, it's such a, I mean, it's such a big uh, process and depending on which way you go down, whether you choose to self-publish, whether you go to a publisher, there's all these like branching roads that you can choose to take. I chose to go down the publishing route mostly because I wanted to be able to get in bookstores. That was just a a dream that I had to be able to get in bookstores. But um, a big part of it is I think everybody has a book in them and most people would look at me and go, oh, I could never write a book. And I go, I reckon every single person has a book in them. Um, I, I talk about it as a person like cleverness. Everyone has a sense of cleverness and it's just about whether it, you know, not everyone always writes the book, but I think everyone has the potential to write one. I love that. I love the idea of your cleverness. Like I'd love to write a book one day. I have no idea what it would be about. I'm also like, could it just be a collection of memes about running a business of just hilarious. I think it'd be perfect. I think that'd be, a gr- I, w- I would buy that book. I'd put it on my coffee table and I would relate to it every day. Like, I, I think there's that sense of um, immediately when you talk about writing a book, there's a, like this distinction between saying something and then having something to say. And there's that kind of mm. defining line between those two. And so, I think everybody has something to say. The question is, is, is it worthwhile sharing in a collective sense and putting those thoughts onto paper and putting them out into the world. Yeah, and kind of immortalizing them. In oh, sense. yeah, it was terrifying. I remember getting a phone call from the publisher going, oh, hey, just to let you know, all your books are now stocked in the libraries. And I was like, libraries? I was like, oh, my gosh, that's that place where, like, historical books are. My book is going to be there. What if I don't think that in, like, five years' time or ten years' time? Like, what yeah. if, like, kids at school are going to visit the library and my book's in there and they're like, what kind of, like, ancient person wrote this? Like, it's <laughs> not relevant today at all. So, that's terrifying. Yeah. I think it's so, so fascinating. And I love the idea that everyone has a book in them. I think that's yeah. that's really, really cool. So we're going to talk about culture today. And before we kind of dive into, I know that you have a really like unique process of actually unpacking what your culture is and defining that and then communicating that. Mm. And I feel like one thing that I love about what you do is you're a really gifted communicator. And a lot of what I do in marketing is I work with our clients and our students in our community on communication. Mm. My big thing is I just feel like marketing is essentially communication and the best communicator wins. I love that. And, but do you know what's funny? So I'm, I'm good at communicating uh, when it comes to marketing, but as a culture in our business, it's taken me a bit to realize that internal communication with our clients, with our students, with our team, that also the best communicator wins in that sense too. So mm. it's like it has to kind of kind of follow through. It's not just about the outward focus. It's also about what happens internally as well. So I know we're going to talk about communication as well. But firstly, why does culture matter? 
Why does culture matter for a small business owner, for someone who's just starting out? Yeah, I mean, it's huge. And your kind of comments there around communication couldn't just be more accurate. I reckon all of our problems in life and in business are a communication problem and they can be solved through a communication solution. Like if you take every big issue that you have as a solopreneur, as a person who's an aspiring business owner, like if you boil all your problems down, it's a result of a communication issue. And if you can be more effective in how you communicate, you can probably resolve some of your biggest challenges. So yes, yes to everything that you just said there. And one of the challenges around, I think, something like culture is that we talk a lot about culture in like big business and we go, okay, well, culture is the thing I need to think about if I've got a business of 200 people or, you know, a thousand people, or if I'm working in a business right now and I'm a manager of a team, then, then I'm responsible for culture. The reality is culture shows up anytime you have a collective people, group of people together. And so, whether you think you have a culture or whether you don't, Wherever you're gathering with other people, you've got culture. So, if you're a business owner, you've got customers, you've got a culture of your business with the way you interact with those customers. If you're just putting on your first, uh, you know, executive assistant or business manager, you're going to create, you're going to have culture within those people. And so, it touches every aspect of your business. It shows up in the way you share ideas. It shows up in the way that you do conflict. It shows up in the way that you push back on customers or whether you let them walk all over you. Um, It shows up in how engaged people are when they work with you and as part of your team, it actually touches every little aspect of your business. So, it can't be something that you overlook. Yeah. And do you think people, as they grow, and particularly small business owners, do you think it's an element of we accidentally create a culture and we it, it's been unintentional? Like, do you think every single business has a culture, even if we're aware of it or not? Yeah. So, one of the questions, so when I, I prepared to write the book, um, we engaged a company called McCrindle and they're a research company here in Australia. And we we studied a thousand Australian managers um, who were leading teams and they were for anywhere from a team of two people right up to teams of 20 or 30 people. And we asked the question, is culture something ca- that can be influenced or does it just simply happen? And one in two managers said culture can't be influenced. It, it just happens. And that was kind of quite Mm. confronting because it it makes you feel a little bit helpless and powerless to go, well, there's nothing that I can do about the culture. And as we kind of probed a bit deeper, I think one of the things that I learned was that a lot of people, yes, there are some people who believe that culture can't be influenced, but more often than not, people think culture is going to happen whether you do something about it or not. You already have culture. The question is, is it the culture that you want or are you just basically, uh, utilizing the culture that you already have. And I think good culture, strong culture takes a leader and it takes intention. Yeah. And I think for a lot of solopreneurs, a lot of, you know, startup creatives who are who are still kind of, you know, starting to build to the point where they could employ staff or maybe they have a few freelancers involved mm. or maybe they have a team. Do you find that a lot of it is, well, it's the culture of the the founder and yeah. it's their vibe kind of thing and that's it and there's no more thought around it? Yeah. I mean, one of the hardest parts about culture is that culture is so difficult to define. I often say culture is easy to describe but really hard to define. So, mm. if I said like talk to me about the culture that you have in your business right now, you would typically just go, well, I would describe aspects of my business. So, I'm like, I don't know, I guess I'm, I like to be a bit of an empowering boss or I like to, you know, I, I like a bit of flexibility and autonomy. Um, you might go, I'm very inclusive. I'm very open to new ideas. And most of the time, you're just describing yourself, right? Yes. You describe, this is what I'm like. And when it's just one or two people, chances are, as the person has a position of power, your way of doing things will become the predominant 
way of doing mm. things. So, it kind of becomes part of your culture. Um, and so, being aware of that really, really early on can start to help you to go, okay, my defining characteristics as a leader is really going to set a lot of the tone for the culture early days. Yeah. And interestingly, I feel like the inverse of that is the things that I'm pretty terrible at, either it's going to frustrate the team like, and they're going to be like, oh, look, Laura has blind blind spots so she just can't see that this is pretty she, – she's not so good at this, you know. <laughs> yeah. Or it's going to attract more people who are just like me who have the similar blind spots. So, like how much of when it is you as the small business owner, how much of it is about self-awareness in this developing the culture space? Yeah, huge, huge amount of self-awareness, right? So, there's this – I mean, the golden rule is something that transcends cultures, countries, religions, and everything, right? That you've heard the golden rule: treat others how you want to be treated, right? Yes. Like that's yeah. the, that's the golden rule. So you go every culture. There's some variation of that yes. in a proverb form, and the challenge with that is that um, we actually need kind of like a reverse golden rule when it comes to the way that we lead other people, which is lead other people the way that they like to be led. And so when we show up into a business, we often think about the way we interact with customers or clients or business or other people and part of our business. We go, well, I really like this. So what I'll do is I'll give you that in the hope that you will like it too. Mm. And we never have a conversation about what do you like? And so as a result of that, I basically show up doing the way that I do things and I never even consider how you do things and it creates conflict and it creates tension. And we're like, why is there this tension? Why is now yeah. culture the way that I want it to be? It's because we've actually never had that conversation about what do we expect of each other. Yeah, which kind of pulls in that link of a culture can be there but it's not un- until you actually communicate the culture, Yeah, it, it can't really be shifted or defined and also i think a lot of the time because as as founders and as as like business owners who are still quite involved the funny thing is you switch from a business owner technician to a manager yeah and then you realize oh my goodness i do not have uh, i need to learn how to do this really well but a lot of the time i think we have internal thoughts of how we want things to be done, how we want to communicate, how we want to show up for our community, for our people. And it's most of the time I feel like for me anyway, it's like, well, I want people to feel really optimistic. I want people to feel like they've got this, they can do it and we're in their corner and we're kind of their cheerleaders. And, And I want it to be fun. I want it to be cheeky and bold and a bit silly. Mm. Um, but it's funny when you realize probably we wouldn't necessarily have a really clear expectations of, okay, well, this is what we want. Mm. How do we actually continue that culture as we grow? So it's really interesting to think you switch from being the technician only to being the manager and trying to actually figure out what your culture is, what the vibe is, um, then you have to figure out, well, firstly, figure out what it is and then figure out how do I communicate that. So, I'd love to chat with you about communicating your culture. Mm. Once you've kind of figured out the the type of culture you want to create, actually, firstly, do you have any guides on how to actually identify the culture you want to create? Yeah. As a small business owner. So, so important. What are the things that I love you touched on is you brought the communication link into culture, which is we have all these kind of expectations about 
the way that things should be. Um, there's this really great quote by Tori Aletto. It basically says, what isn't communicated is felt. What's felt is interpreted and what's interpreted is often misinterpreted. And so, when you think about culture, you go like, what do I really want in our culture? Well, I want it to be optimistic. I want it to be cheeky. I want it to be fun. I want it to be a little bit goofy. Like I want all of these mm. things. And we never communicate that to the people that we work with or that the people that are helping us build the brand or even our freelancers that we bring in. Yeah. We never explicitly tell them that. And so, what do they do? They interpret what they think we want. Yes. And so, what you end up happening, you go, oh my gosh, like, why did you do that? And they were like, oh, I don't know. I just kind of felt that that was the vibe <laughs> here. And you're like, no, that's not what I want. Yeah. And you get angry when they don't live up to it or someone does something. You're like, oh, I loved that. Can you do more of that? And so, it's this constant process of going, I hate that. I love that. I hate that. I love that. Yes. And every Everybody is left to kind of interpret. And what ends up happening over time is you end up with an interpretive culture. And so, some people get it, some people don't. Mm. And it's really hard. So, in terms of identifying the culture, I think there's two things that are really important for any business leader to do. The first thing is to ask yourself, what are my expectations of the people that I work with or the people in my business. So, what are my expectations of the clients? What do I expect around the way that they pay? What are my expectations around the way that they treat me, the way that they, uh, the way that I deliver work for them? And the second part is what are their expectations of me? And, you know, how do mm. we have that honest conversation about what our expectations are? Because we all carry them, right? Most of the time, if you think back to an experience where you felt the most let down by somebody, it was because they didn't meet an expectation that you had of them. Yes. And the question I would ask is, did you ever make that expectation explicit? Yeah. And we don't. Like, we just carry it. Like, we have this invisible rule book that we judge other people according to. And we'll walk down the street and someone doesn't smile back at you and like, you're a jerk. And they were like, that person has no idea. But they didn't meet your expectations of them, right? Yeah. So, the first thing I think for business owners, get really clear, what do I expect of the people in my culture, whatever that is, whether it's business, we talk clients, you know, employees. And then what do they expect of me as a business owner? And how do we make it less interpreted and more explicit? Or what I often say is make the unspoken spoken. Yes. Right? So, now all of a sudden, you know, I work with leaders and I go, what do you want? Like, describe your ideal characteristics of your team. And they go, optimistic, fun, empowering, trusted. The second question is, when was the last time you told the people you work with that? And they go, (laughs) I don't think I've ever told them that before, right? Okay, great. So, make it explicit. And then the second half of that is that once you've made it explicit, identify what does it actually look like in practice. So, how do you Mm. clarify it so that everybody might know what it looks like when it shows up? So, we take something like the word optimistic, right? And I go, like, what does that mean to you, Mm. Laura? Like, when you talk about being optimistic, because- may look something like something different to me. Like imagine like imagine the listeners and you're all sitting down right now and I rolled a couple of dice on the table in front of us. I might go, what numbers do you see? And you go, oh, I see a three and a four. We ask the listener and they go, oh, I might see a one and a two. And I might go, yeah. well, I see a five and a six. And so which one of us is right? Mm. I mean, we're all right. We're just looking at it from different perspectives. Yes. It's the same with things like optimism or empowerment or trusting and or autonomy, all those things. We look at it, but we look at it through different lenses. So, clarify what does it actually look like for you and what does it look like for me? Oh, I love that. One of the distinctions I love is culture doesn't just exist in your team or with employees or freelancers. It exists within your community of clients and your customers. Yes. Um, An example is we, we just started the Next Level Club, which is our group coaching program. And the way that group coaching works really well is when the the group dynamic 
is is really strong so that when someone new comes in, they can't shift the culture. Because if one, like, and we're very picky with who we actually led into the program, but if one person comes in and if our culture isn't strong enough, then they could change the whole vibe, the whole dynamic. So I think even for me listening to this, I'm like, oh my gosh, we need to, we need to have clarity and and communicate it, but we also need to own it so mm. that if someone's not aligning with it, there's a, well, hey, this isn't working. Yeah. Um, and either you you come into our culture um, it, within the within the group, or this isn't working. And we can say bye bye. It's, it's <laughs> huge, right? I'm glad you touched on that because uh, we have a, a mutual mentor, and he's got a, a, a quite a large community on yeah. Facebook. And one of the things I love when I joined that community, it basically said very explicitly: here are the ground rules yeah. as being part of this community. Yeah. Here's what you can do. Here's what you can't do. Here are my expectations of you and your expectations from me. Mm. And what I love is from time to time people break those ground rules, and he's very public about going, "Hey, everyone." help me say goodbye to this person from this group <laughs> because they're not welcome here because they yeah. don't follow the ground rules. I, I love it. Immediately creates the culture of this is okay and that's not okay. But it feels wrong to do that if you've never made it explicit. If you, if you just, exactly. if someone shows up and they go, I did this, I didn't know that was not okay. And you kick them out for it. It feels really cold and really rude. But if you said, this is the culture we're trying to create together and someone says, well, I don't want to do that, then kicking it out is like going, okay, well, that makes sense. Like we're protecting and really Mm. looking after and stewarding our culture that we have. Yeah, yes. So it's it's articulating the culture, communicating that, and then owning it. And so what happens when something feels like misaligned with the culture or if you see something that you're like, that's not our culture? Yeah. I mean, it's huge. I, I was I was having a conversation with someone recently and there's this great um, illustration by Leanne Davies and she talks about like difficult conversations. She said, we always have to have a difficult conversation sooner or later. And she said, but when we carry it around and avoid it, mm. she said, it's like carrying around debt. And she said, eventually you have to pay back the principal, but the difference is that you then have to pay back the interest with it as well. And so, it's the same yeah. thing. Like you go- if I see some behaviors that I know I should address, whether that's like, imagine you're working with a new customer and they they don't pay their invoice for three months and you go, I want to build a long-term relationship with this client, but I go, I don't really want to address the three-month payment issue. Yeah. I'm just going to let that slide. And so, then the next time the bill comes through, it's three months again and you kind of let that slide. It can become part of the culture of the way we do work together. Yes. And- eventually you have to have that conversation with the client and say, hey, we need to address this. But you've been carrying the frustration of that for three months. Yes. And so, you have the conversation. So, you have to pay back the principal, but you've also dealt with the interest of three months of stress and, you know, financial challenges or whatever that looks like for you and your business. Like, if you can address it early, you can address cultural inconsistency and not have to carry the interest around with that. Yeah. And it's so interesting because if I think, and a lot of people come to me and they're like, oh, I'm just struggling to even say no to clients who aren't the right fit. And it's interesting that, you know, a lot of the time I think we try to be everything to everyone and we try to kind of work with everyone and and it's like a people-pleasing thing. Yeah. But I think it's really interesting that the culture can also help you to define, well, this is how I qualify people and this is this is who I want to work with. And it becomes less emotional and, and it's more black and white of, well, that person 
it, it's not even a personal thing. It's just that's yep. not our – they're not our people. And so mm. it, it feels like the culture also sh- kind of can shift into, well, who do we work with? Who do we say no to? Who do we – who do we champion and who do we go, hey, actually, there's someone else who's a better fit? Yeah, we were just having this conversation recently about just how important in business it is of who you're saying no to as much as it is about who you're saying yes to. Yeah. If you think about culture, one of the most popular definitions of culture is the way that we do things around here, right? That's the most yes. th- That's the most common definition. Culture at its essence is norms. Like it's the norms of a team or a collective group of people. So- I have this thought or this idea that culture is averages, not aspirations. And what I mean by mm. that is if if you think about the culture of work, whatever that looks like for you, yeah. it's built on the sum average of your ways of doing things. So if you're a solopreneur and you're working with maybe an, a business manager or you've got one other person or a couple of freelancers, the sum average of the way that you three or you four do things will become your culture. Now, you could say our culture is this, but if the averages is not, it's actually not your culture. So, you might say, well, no, as a boss, I'm really flexible. Like, I like to make sure I've got a really flexible environment, but you micromanage everybody and the other people in the team micromanage everybody. We don't have a flexible culture. Yeah. And that isn't to say culture can't be aspirational. Like, you can be working towards building a culture, but it's just recognizing. So, if that's the case, every person that I bring into my culture is going to shift the average. And if I bring in people who are actually in direct conflict with the culture I'm trying to create and they outnumber the people who are actually living the culture that we want, our culture will shift with that. So, there is some intentionality that yeah. needs to happen. Yes. Okay. So, let's talk more about the the conversations about culture mm. that we should be having with our teams, with yeah. our clients, with our customers, whatever that looks like. You talk about five conversations, right, that, that every leader should be having. So, how do we kind of bring up the expectation conversation? Yeah, I mean, we, we touched on that a little bit around the expectations that mm. we have of each other. I think whenever you're gathering with people who are relatively new, so maybe you've just put on a new freelancer, you've just put on a new you know, team member, or you've just brought in a new client is just sitting down and having a really honest conversation. And it could just be simple questions going, hey, can we maybe create some ground rules of the best way that we can work together? And maybe it's about what brings out the best in you, what brings out the worst in you, what brings out the best in me, what brings out the worst in me? Like, And then yeah. having a really clear conversation, which is ultimately about what do you expect of me and what do I expect of you? And the goal is to make the unspoken spoken. Or another way of putting it, like one of the elements of culture is an unseen element. So, it's like, how do we make that thing which is unseen, you know, essentially visible for us to see? So, you think about the old iceberg metaphor where it's like you see 20% of it and 80% is below the water. It's the same with culture. What are the things when we do when we have that expectation is we lower the water line so we can start to see the stuff that's hidden. And ultimately, I think you touched on it, is communication is the answer to that. Mm. And how do you do that when teams are remote, freelancers are working from everywhere? Are there, you know, because I feel like when you're sitting next to someone, you could mm. be like, oh, next time I probably wouldn't say it like that or, yeah. uh, you know, can we do it this way instead next time because of X, Y, Z? And you have more context. Yeah. How do you manage that when your teams are online? Yeah. I mean, part of it is just being able to bring together in some people together in some kind of online format. Yeah. 
and just going, hey, I want to have a really intentional conversation. And the key is intentional. I want to have a really intentional conversations about our expectations of each other. Yeah. And maybe you just pick three or four of the big things that are really important to you, which is how do we communicate as a team? Like what, in what way, about what, how frequently do we like, what are our expectations of each other around that? How do we collaborate? Like, what's the way that we like to work together? Do you like to speak out loud? Do you like to have some time on your own? Do you like to, you know, brainstorm in a collective or do you like to just get away and kind of plan individually and bring it back together? Um, How do we connect? In what way? Like, how relational do you want this team to be? Do you want Mm -hmm. us to, like, ask about each other's life outside of work or do you want to keep it strictly professional? Um, And then just if you think about, like, how do we connect? How do we collaborate? How do we communicate? Um, if you just kind of focus on a couple of those areas, you can bring out some really interesting expectations in a conversation like that. Yeah. What do you do? Because I feel like sometimes as a, as a small business owner, you can identify what your culture is by seeing what it's not. Yeah. So when you see what you're like, I do not like that. How do you then re like kind of circle back to that? So if, if you are like, okay, uh, we're working with a client and we've never set the expectations yeah. and there are some things going on that aren't right. Oh, sorry, did you just <laughs> I just did hit my head on the microphone. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> so how do you then circle back yeah. if you recognize I haven't articulated this um, and you're doing something that isn't aligned? Yeah. What, what does that look like? That's a hard conversation, right? Yeah. But actually a really helpful one. Because one of the things you've identified is, oh, okay, I don't like that, but I've never explicitly said mm. that I don't like that. And it can use, you can actually use those triggers to actually spark really helpful conversations. And honestly, I would just sit down with a client and say, hey, can I, I need to have a conversation because this is what I observed. And we'll yes. get to the confrontation conversation about how to actually have that conversation. But you go, this is what I've observed. And I realized by that behavior that we'd never had a conversation about my expectations in this particular yes. area. Yeah. And can we have that conversation now? Yeah. Okay. So this is what I expect. And at the same time, is there any expectations that you have of me in this moment? And how do we make that really clear? Okay. We want the same thing. We want to get work done. We want to do great work, but this is what we actually need from each other in order to be able to achieve that. And that's a really important conversation to be having. Yeah. Oh, you make it sound like so simple and like- <laughs> That's not to say your stomach doesn't do backflips every time you have to bridge that. I mean, I've sat with clients and gone, I let this go on for six months because yeah. I hated it, but I've never told you that I hate it. And now I have to tell you that what you've been doing for the last six months I hate. Like that's a hard <laughs> conversation to have, right? <laughs> yes, totally. Okay. So, there's the expectation conversation. Yeah. And then the difficult conversations. So, the <laughs> the- Ones that we all hate and avoid, um, unless like you're someone who does enjoy those. Some people are just sadistic and they're I, sick and I they don't love understand. it. The the difficult conversations that uh, that part of running a business, I have realised for myself. In a perfect world, I wouldn't have to do these at all. Yeah. And what I realise is, it's not possible. Yeah. <laughs> That's a, that's a good realisation. The quicker you can come to that realisation oh for any business owner, the better. And because it's really uh, conversations with clients, conversations with team, conversations about money, conversations about, hey, like how you're, how you're doing this particular thing is not, not kind of the vibe that we're wanting. It takes, it takes humility mm. 
And it also takes like confidence to go, all right, if this goes south or if this doesn't go, you know, the way I want it to go, like it actually takes a lot of confidence to say, okay, I, I'm okay to back myself and, and trust my yeah. trust what I'm saying. So do you have a bit of a framework for how to do these difficult conversations? Uh, can you outsource them completely? Uh- <laughs> That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Just If you just had like this person that follows you around and you just tap them on the shoulder every time you're like, hey, I know – you just go in. They're like a personal bouncer oh to have those gosh. hard conversations, like a standover person. I, I would love that. I know. Me too. I mean, so the expectation conversation is about making the unspoken spoken, right? Mm. Making sure those expectations of each other are explicit. The second conversation is clarification. And the reason why I set this one up for the difficult conversations is when we talk about expectations, they're often very abstract. So optimistic or I, yeah. you know, the this or that. The clarification is like, what does that mean to you? And what does that mean to me? And yes. how would we know whether we're doing that or not? So, for example, yeah. when you say, hey, one of the things I've got a, a culture of like, of, you know, being really timely on all of our deadlines. Okay. What does that actually mean? It means, hey, we pay invoices on time. Yeah. It means we get back to people within 24 hours of emailing them. It means that when we say a date, we actually deliver on that date. So, these are the clear observable behaviors. And the question you'd always want to ask is, whatever I articulate in a culture as an expectation, could you go out into the business and point it out when you see it? Mm. And would yeah. you know when someone's not doing it? And that's yes. a really big question to be able to ask. And the reason that's so helpful is when we get to the confrontation conversation, we're addressing cultural inconsistency, which is usually an observable behavior that yes. links back to an expectation. Yeah. So, a really simple way that, like framework that I talk through for people is just to go observation, impact, input. If you can just think through those three things from a difficult conversation – observation is what did I see or Mm, what did I notice rather than what did I feel? What did I experience? It's like, what did I see? And that's why the clarification conversation is really important. So you can see the behavior. So, Hey, can I just have a quick conversation with you? I noticed that your invoice, which had 30 day terms is like two or three weeks overdue observation. Like it's just a factual observation. Impact is about what is the impact of that behavior And so, the impact is generally, when we're talking about culture, it's what's the impact on our culture. It's like, hey, we said in our culture, we wanted to create a really timely culture. Let's use another example internally. Hey, look, I I sent you an email the other day and it's been two days since I heard from you. Mm. Um, Look, I know as a a team, we said we wanted to create a really timely culture and this behavior doesn't line up with the culture that we're aspiring to create. So, impact, make the impact really explicit. So, what is the results of that? And the third yeah. thing, and this is probably the most crucial thing for any difficult conversation is input. What do you think about that? Or, hey, I'd love to know your thoughts on that. Yeah. We always jump to what I want you to do differently is this, or, hey, that, re- that was really annoying, or, hey, don't do that again. Yeah. The input piece allows you to be open with the humility piece is that maybe there's something that I'm not seeing here. Yeah, totally. And do you know what's so funny is I feel like internally, even with our team, I think... I can, um, uh, you know, full transparency, I'm such a conflict avoider. And Kim, April, <laughs> they're all listening. They know. And so for me, I think it's super interesting, like the input piece. Mm. That's so interesting to me because it's like often I I know, like we want to kind of slide on through the discomfort and go, okay, this is what I saw, this is what it really means and that's super annoying and – 
anyway, I just don't want you this to do that anymore. This is what I want you to do different. Yeah. Like, this yeah. is how it needs to change. And and then I think also sometimes what, what I can do is I can think, well, they've probably – and I think it's because I'm a big feeler, but I, I'll probably be like, well, they're probably feeling busy mm. or they've got a lot on or they didn't respond in time because of X, Y, and Z, and so they're probably doing that. And so I start to make up stories rather than just ask them, what do you think about that? Yeah. Like, you know, and so it's really interesting to think we can – without that piece, it's like – we can think yep. a totally different thing about- We craft a narrative in our mind of how, yeah. how this is playing. I mean, I'm the worst. I will have two sides of an argument long before the difficult conversation ever takes place. I'm like, well, they'll say this and then I'll say that back and then I'll do this, but they're probably <laughs> thinking that. So, I'm going to say this and then I like snap back to reality and I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't even had this conversation and I'm angry at them. And yes. so difficult conversations, the reason they feel difficult is because we go in with this intention of like we're trying to shift a behavior that we don't like rather than going through the lens of curiosity and input yeah. goes into the conversation through the lens of curiosity. So, if you're yes. having a conversation with a client, like I use this example in a team meeting, imagine you're sitting in a team meeting, you've got all your freelancers there, you've got people that are working mm. with you. Um, and you sit there on the table and one person's just on their laptop the entire time. They're checked out. They're disengaged. They're not contributing to the conversation. Yeah. You're in your head going, this is really annoying. They're not contributing. They're not here. They're totally checked out. Or maybe they're on Zoom. And you finish up the conversation and you don't say anything, but you just spend the next two days fuming that yeah. they just were checked yeah. out. Now, you might sit down with them and you get, it gets to breaking point. You say, hey, can I have a conversation with you? I noticed in the meeting the other day, you were really checked out, you were disengaged, and um, I don't want you to do that again. And the person goes, oh, you don't, and they get really angry and yeah. flustered and you don't listen. Now, imagine you're sitting in that situation, you go, hey, I observed, like in the other meeting the other day, it seemed a bit like you were a bit disengaged and checked out. And I didn't get any of your contribution into the meeting. And I know as a team, we said we wanted to collaborate. We wanted to be really open around sharing ideas. And I, I didn't feel like I was getting that from you on that day. I mean, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, what's your perspective on that? And they go, hey, I'm so sorry. Look, I've, I've got one of my family members is actually ill at the moment. They just passed away and I'm dealing with a whole lot of stuff coming through on my emails and I was just really checked out and I'm so sorry. Now, in your head, you've come into this meeting going, I'm going to tell them to do this and they're going to change that. Yeah. The entire difficult conversation goes out the window and the next question is, how do I support you? Hey, what do you need from yes. me right now? Thank you so much for letting me know. Yeah. Yes. It's a totally different conversation. Now, it's not always going to go that way. Sometimes a person will go, oh, yeah, honestly, sorry, I was just distracted. In which case, the conversation is, hey, either one of two things. A, what could you do differently next time, which is a coaching conversation, or B, here's what I want you to do differently next time, which is a redirecting conversation. Both are yeah. just as valuable, yeah. but it changes the tone. That input link can change the conversation completely. Yes. And it, it's, I think, especially in in the virtual, like everyone working remotely, Yeah, it's so easy to not pick up. Because when someone's in the room, you can kind of pick up, oh, they're a bit off today. Yeah. But it's so, that's such a good piece to to actually give them the space to tell you what's going on. So, it's not a one-sided Or it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's solely on you to change everything. Yeah. And it could be with a client and, and you basically just observe this and you go, hey, look, can I make an observation? This is what I saw and this was the impact of that. Yeah. Hey, I noticed you didn't pay your invoice last month. And the impact with that is like I wasn't able to support this, you know, mm. I wasn't able to help this person engage in this way or do this work. And look, 
I'd just love to know your perspective on that. And they might go, oh, look, I'm so sorry. We've, we've had a whole bunch of this stuff. And you go, hey, I totally understand that. I'd love to be able to support you. In future, can you prioritize this moving forward? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you know, it just makes yes. that conversation a little bit easier. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and so then we've got the difficult conversations. And the last conversation you say, wait, is that the last one? Uh, there's two others. No. There's a communication conversation, which yes. is really just about how do you find ways to integrate the cultural aspirations into your day-to-day language? And I think the best right. way to do that is through storytelling. Like as marketers, like yep. we're storytellers. And so I think about cultures, like what are some of the stories that you could tell in your business that highlight aspects of your culture? Yes. And what are the stories that you tell about your clients or you tell to your clients that articulate to them the kind of pe- person that you are or the kind of business that you are. Yeah. It's kind of like affirming the when someone aligns with the culture being able to say even in in our in the next level club us being able to say, "Oh my goodness, Jane did this awesome thing this week. She took action." Cuz our big thing is we're action takers. We, yeah. we execute. We we get the things done cuz a lot of people get stuck in the <laughs> ideas land yeah. and never execute. So for us, it's like, okay, how do we celebrate the when someone aligns with the culture and reinforce that culture? Yeah, so important. I mean, as a fellow dog owner, um, yes. this is something that we can talk about because we understand this, is this <laughs> idea of behavioral conditioning, yes. which is basically whatever you celebrate for your dog, they will do more of. Yes. Right? Yeah. And so, example, like if you say sit and then you give them some food- they will sit and they will salivate every time they sit yes. down because they know that food is coming. Yeah. Now, if I could have a conversation with your dog and, and your dog <laughs> could talk back to me and I said, why do you sit for food? He would probably go, I have no idea. I just know every time I sit, I get food. Yes. Right? Yeah. And this is the thing that distinguishes dogs and people and behavioral conditioning and cultural recognition is that when we celebrate people- and we make it clearly an intentional, uh, give them a clear and intentional reason as to why we're celebrating, we help them understand Mm. and replicate behavior. So people do more of whatever is celebrated, but they need to know why they're doing more of that and why it's important. Ah, that is so, so good. And it's so true that even in your marketing, you could apply that by, by going, okay, cool. Let's share this transformation story of a client or a customer that's loving what, you know, yeah. our product or service and that then attracts more of the same people who are like oh I want that who result. I want that result right yeah and I guess there's an element of that if you use that example it's not just sharing the transformation but why was that transformation important like why was it so yes. meaningful right yes when a person says you know I just went on this great new you know exercise regime and I've lost 10 kilos we share the result like this person lost 10 kilos I'm like okay that's I guess that's great, but why was that 10 kilos important? Hey, this person can now play with their child for the first time. This person can now walk with their family along the beach that they couldn't do before. It was meaningful because. And so, the question I'd always ask in this for people who are building teams, building businesses, is if the last behavior that I celebrated was multiplied and repeated, would I be happy with the culture that that creates on our team? And then give you an example of that. Let's say you've got, um, you know, a, a person who's working on your team 
and, you know, they're working a couple of days a week, but they stay back late every night. They're, they're getting up at like, you know, 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night, getting the work done so that they can deliver on deadlines. And you stop and you say, hey, I just want to say thank you so much for staying mm. up until midnight to deliver on those deadlines. Mm. It means the world to me. It's so important. Would you be happy with them doing that every single night of the week yeah. and be okay yeah. with the culture that that creates? Yes. Probably not. Totally. Yeah, that's such a good that's such a good thing. So when you're celebrating, so with your teams, are you celebrating publicly with with the rest of the team? Are you what what does celebrating really look like? Yeah, I think it's similar to the um, the confrontation conversation. Is you got to make the observation and you've got to talk about the impact. And mm. I think those are two really key key parts of it. And the next thing is to actually make it meaningful and personal. Yes. And so meaningful and personal can look very different to do for two different people. And I often ask as I'm building a team, I like to know how people feel appreciated. So when I bring on a new coaching client, I always say, hey, talk to me about how you feel most appreciated. I mean, what are your languages of appreciation? Do you like gifts? Do you like words? Like what are the things that are meaningful? It sounds so ridiculous, yes. but when someone has a huge win, and I send them a gift in the mail and they're like, oh, thanks. Like, it doesn't really mean much to them when what they really wanted me to say was, hey, you're outstanding. Well done. Yes. I'm so proud of you. You're doing such a phenomenal job. And that would have brought them to life. Yeah. Do you know I mean? So, yes. when we celebrate it, um, ask yourself, not everybody loves the public recognition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember doing this celebration once. We had 150 volunteers. And there was this guy who'd been part of our you know, team for you know, decades. And we were like, we want to celebrate this guy. So we basically got everyone up, stood to their feet, gave him a huge round of applause. He stood up, turned around, walked out the back door, got in his car and drove home. Oh. He called and said, don't ever do that to me again. I was humiliated. Oh, wow. And we were yeah. like, in our pursuit of celebrating him the way we wanted to celebrate, oh. we didn't make it personal. Totally. Do you know what my family does? Um, we do this thing called the go round and at like, I don't know what this is, but anyway, we do a thing called the go round and it is at birthdays or like special milestones. Everyone goes around and says something encouraging about the person that it's their birthday or whatever. And it's just been something that we've always done. And I'm a big words person. I, I love words. But in those moments, I find I, I feel very uncomfortable. I feel like I would rather it be written. Yeah. I, I don't uh, – I find that a, lo- a lot. But my husband, <laughs> he hates it. Oh, he, yeah. he is like, do not make me do that. Do not make me feel contrived and like I have to do this go-round thing. So it's a funny thing to think what someone else, what one other person loves, yeah. another person hates. And I love words, but I, I think for me I'm like I, I love uh, it, it to be not in a huge public Yeah, just to feel setting. personal and from who as well. Yeah. Like if you think about in the business, who holds the the most weight to give the celebration yes. feedback? Because it can mean a lot coming from a fellow team member to say yes. thank you. But when you hear it from the boss or the owner, like it's such yeah. a really, it has a whole new level of weight attached to it. And some people just honestly don't care. Yes. And so some people are like, honestly, just give me a pat on the back and tell me I'm doing a great job and I'm happy. Other people are like, you know what? From time to time, you bought me a book. That was the most meaning th- meaningful thing ever yeah. for me. Yeah. So just ask the question yeah. like, hey, how do you feel most appreciated on this team? Or how do you feel most valued on this team? Oh, I love it. Well, Shane, you are a wizard and I feel like everything you've shared, I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh, so, so helpful and practical. What I love is that it's just so practical and actually 
something that we could everyone listening can take away one thing from this and and i know that there's so much gold i'm going to listen back to this later firstly where can people follow you and connect with you online yeah i mean i'm under shane m hatton on pretty much every social media channel um look tiktok's not the best content (laughs) if you want to follow me there i hang out more on linkedin and instagram but i do have a tiktok account do you yeah (laughs) it's good i posted one video and it went viral and i got five thousand followers and i've never i've never really used it since it's the weirdest thing ever what was the viral it was a it was a video about like the ending to a zoom meeting the awkwardness of having to wave to people on screens and people loved it and I, I love that. Yeah. So I don't know. Look, don't follow me on TikTok. Like, it's not worth it. Okay. Just find me on LinkedIn. <laughs> find me on LinkedIn. <laughs> and where can people get your book? Because I know that this is really going to help a lot of our listeners. Thank you so much. Um, it's, it's Look, it's in all good bookstores um, and you can get it online or Amazon or Booktopia. Incredible. Well, we're going to put a link in our show notes. So if you're listening and you want to check out Let's Talk Culture, then definitely head on over to our show notes. Shane, you have been incredible. Thank you for coming to my house and hanging out with my dog. Um, super excited to meet you and chat with you. So it's thank such you. a privilege and I can't wait to uh, go hang out with your dog again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's excited too. I can already tell. Thank you so much. Well, there you have it. That is the play-by-play for this week. You know the drill. If you loved this episode, please share it with a friend. Um, It's really good to spread that business advice love around on the internet. So please share it with a friend. Also, I'd love it if you left us a review. Um, We love the kind words. So if you love our podcast, if you love what we're doing, and if you love the guests that we interview, please leave us a five-star review. As always, I will see you back here same time, same place next week. Have a wonderful week. Go get them.